0: You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 when there are no words. Before we get into today's episode, I want to read a few listener responses we've received regarding our podcast. The first one comes from a listener in Colorado who writes, I find that the study of relationships and people is a lifelong journey I am glad to be on. Although sometimes it's rather depressing when people don't want to embrace change or grow out of destructive patterns. That being said, I find that to engage in deep relationships, both parties must be willing. There must be a level of truth and honesty along with love and listening. Thank you for your study of people and your deep caring, listening, and now sharing via podcast to encourage others. Another listener writes, Keep up the podcasts. I have been encouraged by them. I like the one about giving out rewards for being. I want to try to work it in my family's birthday celebrations this year. That comes from Steve, who is listening in Georgia. And the last response uh, is from Randy, a listener in Pennsylvania. Randy writes, uh, I'm glad Carol talked you into doing a follow-up episode to the interview you did with Charlie and Ruth Shirley. I believe believe that was episode eight, and then the follow-up episode number nine was entitled... Uh, shadows connect us with each other. This is about the eight principles I learned from that interview. Anyway, Randy found it to be, uh, in his words, excellent, encouraging, and challenging. So thank you, Randy. I have more listener responses that I'll share next week. I would love to hear from more of you about what you find helpful and meaningful from the podcast. It will hopefully encourage and challenge you as it does for Randy, our listener in Pennsylvania. You know, one relationship situation that can be a challenge for a lot of us is relating to someone grieving over the death of a loved one. I'm recording this in the month of February, a month when one of our daughter's close friends lost her baby just five minutes after he was born. Kelly, if you're listening today, Please know that I think of you and Scott every February 22nd, the day you lost your sweet baby Ben. There just are no words to express the sorrow. At the other end of life is losing our parents. There are no words either when their death comes unexpectedly in the prime of their lives. In today's episode, I have a story of a group of people who, who didn't need words to help one of their own bring closure to 30 years of grieving. Grieving the loss of one's mother and father in a tragic car accident. Hopefully this story will inspire you to help someone grieve when you have no words either. Several years ago, a friend of our family was going through a particularly hard time. Her name was Julie. She was in her early 30s at the time and my wife would go to her to get her hair cut. I did too, until she ran out of hair to cut. The part in my hair got wider and wider, to the point there was precious little left to cut. During one of my haircut appointments, I noticed that Julie was unusually quiet, and so I asked her if she was okay. She responded by telling me it was close to the anniversary of her parents' death in a tragic car accident, and that this year it was bothering her more than in years past. I had learned from previous conversations that Julie was four years old living in Iowa when her parents were killed, after which time she and her four siblings moved in with her mother's sister living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Julie's childhood was not a happy one, as her aunt and uncle, who had three kids of their own, were ill-prepared to take on five more children to raise. In asking Julie about what was harder about this particular year than in the past, she really uh, didn't know for sure. All she knew was that the sorrow of what happened to her at age four was affecting her more this year for some unknown reason. She talked of wondering what her life might have been like had her parents not died, if she had been raised by them on their small farm in Iowa, rather than by her aunt and uncle in Milwaukee. The next few times I came in for my haircut, Julie would bring the same subject up again, and she seemed more troubled each time. I suggest that she consider talking this through some more and offered to meet with her in my office. This was during the days of my recruiting business. She thought that would be a good idea, given how this was affecting her. So for the next several months, she would come to my office on Monday afternoons, which was her day off, to work through this. When she came to visit, she relived her childhood with me, talking all about her parents, her siblings, and all manner of things related to how she was raised. Each time, the sorrow of her parents' death weighed heavier and heavier on her. Then she started bringing in cassette tapes of her mother talking to her sister, the one who ended up raising her in Milwaukee. Instead of writing letters back and forth, they recorded tapes and sent them to each other several times a month. Julie would play these tapes for me and then analyze each word and voice inflection, trying to understand more about her mother and their family life prior to its tragic end. This went on for weeks, and frankly, it was getting tiresome. We kept going over the same ground over and over again. She was stuck in this loop of replaying over and over a series of what-if scenarios about what her life might have been like had her parents not been killed. We were not getting anywhere. It was what someone once described about sessions like this as an airplane circling an airport again and again, but never landing. Julie needed to land. I remember one session in particular where I had reached the end of what I thought I could do to help her, and where I just prayed while she talked, Lord, what can I do to help Julie? I really need your wisdom and guidance from you. She's hurting very badly over all this, and I'm not really giving her much help. Help me to help her. As I listened to more of her story, an idea came to me that I know, without a doubt, was from the Holy Spirit. It seemed crazy at first, and I thought if I brought it up with Julie, that she would think I'm nuts. But the more I listened to her, the stronger I felt that this idea from God might help. So here's what I said to her. Julie, you were only four years old when your parents died. You've talked about the dim and vague memory you have of the funeral. I'm wondering if because of your young age when all this happened and your inability to process it at all at that time, that you've never fully grieved the death of your parents. But that's what you've been trying to do for the past several months. I know this might sound really odd to you, But how would you feel if we had a funeral for you now? I would call the people you would want to be there, and we could have it right here in my office some evening this week. Without giving it another thought, she agreed to this immediately. We set a date later for that week in the evening, and she gave me the names of the people she wanted there, and I made the phone calls. Everyone that Julie wanted there who were in town said they would come. They all knew about the grieving Julie was going through, and they were all very eager to help in any way they could. Within 20 minutes, the whole thing was arranged. There were about a dozen of us there that night in our makeshift funeral home. We did all the things you do at a funeral. We wore black. I made arrangements for someone to sing, for some people to bring flowers, and others to bring food. Julie wanted this little funeral service recorded so she could send a copy of it to her sister in Nashville, who was having similar struggles over the same issues. So we did that too. When people arrived, they came up to Julie, hugged her, expressed how sorry they were for her loss, and they cried with her over the sudden death of her parents 30 years ago. My role was to officiate the funeral so i gave a little talk from joshua 1 where joshua is dealing with the death of moses and the grief he must have felt during this time and how god tells him three times in the first chapter to be strong and courageous in the midst of his loss i mentioned the commission that god had now given joshua to pick up where moses left off in leading the nation of israel The point of it all that I tried to make was that just as God was there for Joshua in his loss, he is there for Julie now in her loss. I concluded my little talk with describing for everyone what I learned about Julie's parents from the tapes she played for me. I learned how they were very loving parents. I told the story of the last recorded tape of Julie's mother that was made less than a week before she was killed. Julie's mother was telling her sister in this tape how it was nearing the end of March and that Julie, four-year-old Julie, needed winter boots because hers were worn out. Her mother talked about what bad shape Julie's boots were in, but how she knew that if she got boots now, she would outgrow them by next year. Yet there were still several weeks of winter left in this year's winter, and Julie needed them now. As I described this, uh, I I pulled out a box that I had hidden, and I gave it to Julie. As she opened the box, she started to cry, for inside the box were a pair of children's boots to fit a four-year-old girl, small white rubber boots with pink trim around the edges. I looked at Julie, and I dressed her directly and said something along the lines of, Julie, these are the type of boots I know your mother would have gotten for you. You know it's March now as we're sitting here, just as it was when your mother recorded her last tape. And I know now firsthand how hard it is to find children's boots in the middle of March. I went to four different stores looking for boots like these, and each place I went I was told they didn't stock boots anymore since it was nearing the end of winter but I finally found a pair, Julie, and I know that your mother would have kept looking until she found a pair too, because she loved you so very much. Try to think of these boots as representing God's love for you, that you are worth whatever inconvenience or sacrifice is required, that whatever the cost, you are worth it, because he loves you so deeply. This little funeral service ended and there were more hugs and more tears. What stood out for me this remarkable evening was how a dozen people or so, all of whom were prompted and directed by the Spirit of God, took time out of their busy schedules on the spur of the moment to gather together to care for a hurting friend, to help her grieve over a tragic loss that happened almost 30 years ago it was Jesus himself orchestrating all of us to help her grieve this loss. Something really important happened that night for Julie. She saw God's love for her in the midst of her loss. From that night on, she was able to let it go. In the days, weeks, and months thereafter, Julie talked less and less of this tragedy and was able to move on. Now the loss is still very real even to this day, but so is the love of God that she saw demonstrated that night by people who had no words. So there you have it, a story that illustrates the principle that we overestimate the power of our words and we underestimate the power of our presence. When we truly believe this, it takes the pressure off feeling that we need to say something to hurting people. People forget what we say, but they remember what we do. Julie's story, which by the way, she has given me permission to share. I probably should have mentioned that in the beginning. Anyway, her story reminds me of the quote of the week from episode 14 by Walt Whitman. We were together. I forgot the rest. Now, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode our show in one sentence, and it's this. When we have no words, God will show us other ways, if we ask him, to help hurting people know we're in it together with them. When we have no words, God will show us other ways, if we ask him, to help hurting people know we're in it together with them. Well, how can you respond to today's show? Who are some people you are avoiding because while you care for them, you're at a loss of words to show that you care? Well, give God a try, asking him for another way besides words to deepen your relationship with them. Coming up next week, as always, we'll be considering ways we can transform our relationships into the best they can be. I'll also be reading more listener responses to our podcast and I'd love to hear from you about how the podcast encourages you. You can leave your thoughts in the comment box in the show notes, or you can send an email to me, john at caringforothers.org. You can also private message me in Facebook. And now, our quote of the week What he needs from you is to be his friend, and then to show up. It comes from the movie The Soloist. I'll put a link to that movie in the show notes below. Well, that's it for today's show. In the days ahead, may you find ways to deepen your relationships. If you found today's episode helpful in this regard, please forward it on to a friend. Until next time when we connect again, bye for now.